Thank you, Abby. That was beautiful. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Such a sweet sound. What's his name? Judson. Judson. I love that. All right. 1 John chapter 4. We are... We have been going through how to study the Bible, and we have pretty much finished that study now. We're going to be launching a, a series through the book of Acts, just preaching verse by book, verse through the book of Acts. We're going to be reviewing our Bible study principles and then showing how to use those as we study the book of Acts together. But this morning, I wanted us to look at this passage because we live in weird times. Would you all agree with that? This this world, it is crazy. How many of you have heard the term World War III in the last week? Have you heard that? And it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. Man, we have people. Let's go kill somebody in the name of Jesus. I mean, it is just terrible. Um, war is awful. Amen. Um, if we are attacked, then we we need to make them sorry they ever tried. Right? But this whole idea of let's go in, let's enter someone else's conflict, let's, let's just go and kill people, that's not Christian, people. That is not Christian. And understand that almost none of the information that you hear on the news is true about this situation. There's so much, you know, which, and I'm trying not to get too distracted here, but are we going to support the corrupt Biden administration, the corrupt uh, Ukrainian government, the corrupt Russian government, or the feckless and worthless NATO? Where are you going to throw your chips in in this mess? And understand that there are nuclear weapons involved, and it's a mess. It is a mess, and it's hard to get good information from anywhere, just like through the pandemic. How many of you have realized that any people that were scared to death and had their masks on, that, that, that you realize now that it doesn't do anything? It doesn't, it doesn't help because we were lied to all along. The science was settled before they told us to put masks on. It was always a lie. It was always a lie. This is the world we live in. And if you say, so I'm going to get on a plane here in a little while. I'm going to, a, so here's what happened. Uh, you know, I'm teaching this class on Bible preservation. And um, this, there's, there's a group, um, they do kind of research stuff. It's called the King James Research uh, Council. And I, I've been wanting to go to one of their meetings. And I found out it was in Orlando in March. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my spirit. And you want to know an amazing thing? The Holy Spirit said the same thing to Laura. She never travels with me. She's going with me on this meeting. So we're going down. We're going to take about three days extra at the beginning of the week. The meeting's not till the end of the week. I get to be with Lawrence Vance. We're going to go eat with Lawrence Vance and his wife on Friday. So I'm really looking forward to seeing my friend. And uh, so that, that's going to be fun. Really looking forward to that. But I'm going to have to put a mask on when I get on the plane. Right? Either that or blow it up. I mean, those are the, those are the choices. So I'm going to 
still got to wear a mask because, okay, YouTube, I'm not going to blow it up, okay? It's a joke. Um, so, there, and it's, it's just, just lie after lie after lie after lie. That's the world that we live in. And here's the problem. Now, how many of you knew all that before I said anything this morning? Right? You just don't need me to tell you that if it's somebody is on the news, they're lying to you, right? You know that. But what about preachers? What about teachers? So I used to have to preach against the errors of Christian radio. Well, nobody listens to Christian radio anymore. Well, I suppose some people do, but old people like Maureen. But the rest of us, we, we're on... We're on the internet, and you go on YouTube, and I don't know about you guys, because I do religious stuff, you know, that's what I watch. I get all kinds of stuff comes through my YouTube feed. All kinds of stuff. And then new believers come, and they get excited about the Lord, and they go searching for things, and they come and say, hey, have you seen this guy? He's fantastic. His name's Rod Parsley. Is he even around anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Creffalo dollar. And you know what I found out? God told him to buy a jet, so I sent him $100. You know, know that's the world that we live in. And so what I want us to do is I want us to understand how to overcome. So the emotional stuff that, that we see on the news and and now let me just let me just back up a little bit to the Ukrainian thing. Man, there's people dying there. It's not a joke. It's not funny. It's horrible. It is horrible. And so you have that. And, and so, so you have the, the oppression, the worry that could we go into war? Gas prices are going up. And, and of course, they were going up before Russia invaded, right? Because, well, anyway. Um, and then you, then you try and you get some information from Scripture, and so you go to a teacher and you hear all kinds of crazy things. So let's, let's start reading. How, how do we overcome all of this? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved. Isn't that just the terminology of the disciple, the one that Jesus loved? It's just wonderful. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Now, just that right there. If somebody came up to you and said, the spirits were telling me today... That'd be weird. Right? You understand that's exactly what's happening? I'm going to talk about that some more. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are, and you might want to mark those two words, of God. Of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. How do we hear these spirits through prophets? All right? So... Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Was Jesus Christ born of a virgin? Is he God in the flesh? Amen. Verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. So when the Mormons say that we're all gods, that there's no distinction, Jesus is just a man, 
They don't believe in the deity of Christ the way the Bible teaches it. That is the spirit of Antichrist. When the Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus Christ is not truly God, that is Antichrist. Amen? When liberal Christians deny the virgin birth, that is Antichrist. All right? It doesn't matter if it says Christian church. It doesn't matter if it says Episcopal church. It doesn't matter if it says Baptist church. If they teach that Jesus Christ is not the virgin-born Son of God, that is Antichrist. Okay? Verse 3. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of, of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Who is the Antichrist? Put that in YouTube, see what comes up. Who is the, and they'll give a, a list of names, you know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, right? This is what's going to happen. My mother, no, that's a different thing. It's a, who is the Antichrist? Who, who is anybody who says that Jesus is not God? That's the spirit of Antichrist. Now, is there an individual that will be the Antichrist who comes? Yes. Who is he? We won't know until we're out of here. Isn't that a blessing? We're after the church takes place. And then he's revealed, but he has to have already existed. Satan always has to have a person that he is going to personally indwell. And we'll see that in our text in a little while. But, but that spirit of Antichrist, it's already working. It was already working when John wrote this epistle. All right. Now, verse 4. So verse 1 again, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Verse 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, wherefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. We're of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Lord, help us as we understand that there are some things in this world that we need to overcome right now. And we need to know from your word how to do it. We don't need an inspirational speech. We don't need a motivational speech. Uh, we don't need to understand how great we are. We need to know what you have told us to do. So, Father, I pray we'll get that from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to see in this, in this process of learning to overcome is that there is an evident distinction. There's an evident distinction in our text. The Bible says that ye are of God, they are of the world. Ye are of God, they are of the world. There's, there's, there's difference. There is a, we're all God's children. No. No. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called what? See, you don't become a son of God until you're born again. This, that, again, that's liberalism. The, the, and, and by liberalism, I'm not talking about Republican Democrat. I'm talking about theological liberalism. This is the teaching that Jesus Christ uh, is not God. That yes, there is a God, but the God of the world, he's everyone's father the universal brotherhood of man. That's all complete liberalism. So Chad was talking about uh, uh, Brother Bill 
he talked about meeting brother so-and-so, Justin, down here. And if you're new here, you might say, brother, brother, that's weird. How many of you, that honestly sounds kind of weird when you hear it? If you've not been raised in church, that just sounds a little weird. Well, when you get saved, you become a brother in Christ, right? So that's where that terminology comes from. But you're not that until you're born again. You might have a physical brother. I have a physical brother named Bill, and, man, I love him. He's saved. Praise God. I love him. He's my physical brother and my spiritual brother. Praise the Lord for that. But you guys are my brothers, too. Isn't that wonderful? You ladies, you're my sisters. Praise God. I love that. We are a family. When you get saved, you become a part of the family of God. That's what the Bible says. And when we, when that distinction is removed, that's the spirit of Antichrist. Our brothers are people saved. It's important that we understand that. What do I mean by saved? You have to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord for your eternal life. When you go, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the mouth confession is made. With your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess that Jesus is Lord. You acknowledge him as Lord. You say, Lord, I believe that you're God. You were born of a virgin. You died on the cross to save me. You died for me. And my baptism can't save me. My good works can't save me. I deserve to go to hell, and that's where I'm going. Please save me. Be my Savior. Please save me. That's what it means to be saved. When you acknowledge him as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside you. And now you are of God. There is an evident distinction. They are of the world. You are of God. Now look at the the they, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Look, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Many false prophets are gone out into the world. How are they? How do we know that they're false prophets? They deny the deity of Christ, the deity of Christ. That means that he is God, not a God. The Mormons believe that we're all gods, right? I'm not God. How many of you knew that already? <laughs> I'm not God. He's God. If you deny that Jesus Christ is God, he was just a good man. He was a, and, and that's the world, right? He, he was just a good moral teacher who said he was God. But look at the things he claimed. Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up again in three days. They thought he was talking about the temple. He spoke about his body. What did he do? They killed him, and he rose again three days later. C.S. Lewis, it was a great statement he made. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Good people don't say they're God. Right? And so he is either who he said he was, or the, the, this, this, these messianic, in, in the literature, in the, the liberal literature, they called it messianic delusions. That Jesus had messianic delusions. Delusions? Really? Well, you're going to find out what a delusion it was. And many of those who wrote that already know. There's an evident distinction. There are false prophets in the world. They deny Christ's deity and they pervert Christ's message. But there's a distinction. We are of God. We have a true message to preach. We have a true message to give. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
overcoming. You know the people who are the most disturbed right now about what's going on in the world are people that are friends with the world. They love this world. Their, their, their hope is in this world. Their hope is in our economy. Their hope is in political stability. Here's what we're supposed to be. Verse chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. that, That means he was made plain. He was clearly seen in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. If you don't believe that, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, I won't have you raise your hand, but you might have a Bible here today that doesn't say God was manifest in the flesh. Your Bible might say he was manifest in the flesh or he was revealed in flesh. How many of you know there's a difference between God and he? Do we have any he's in here? All right, some of you, they're them. Anyway, look at what it says. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, declared righteous, seen of angels. Now, that scene of angels, how many of you have seen that verse before? What does that mean? They could never see him before because he never had a body. That's cool. That's why I said, which things angels desire to look into. When Jesus Christ was born and the angels gather around and they start singing, why? They had never seen him before. That's cool. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. What's the big deal there? Go not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 10. Do we have any Gentiles here? Do we have any Gentiles here? How many of you are glad that he was preached unto you? Right? Believed on in the world, received up into glory, the ascension of Christ. What a wonderful message. This is our message, verse four, chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit, remember, try the spirits. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. So what we're talking about in trying these spirits, as we saw in 1 John chapter for when we when we look at that passage it says try the spirits for many prophets so these are spirits these are things that are spoken this is the spirit of things when when i uh, breathe i expire it's a, it's that's the idea the, the spirit it's things that are spoken now the spirit of god as you can see it's capitalized now the spirit speaketh expressly for one 1 Timothy 4.1, that in the latter times, when are the latter times? Those are the times that are latter. We are living in the latest time that has ever been. You see the stuff you learn at Grace Baptist? Yeah, Corey's going to get that about 3 o'clock today. He's going to understand what's happening with that. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. How do seducing spirits work? They have to be heard. You give heed to things that are spoken, right? Preaching is speaking. 
teaching, you're speaking. All right? Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So, things that are taught that are doctrines of devils. People are going to start, Christians are going to start listening. So, you go to the Christian bookstore and you get a book called Another Jesus Calling. We don't need another Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was worried about that. I fear lest, lest you be that Satan, through his subtlety, what's he going to do? He's going to remove you from the simplicity that is in Christ. How? By preaching another gospel. By giving another spirit. And that's exactly what's happening in Christianity. So let's keep reading. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse 2. Speaking lies. Do you see how this works? It's not that... Christians are so weird. Talismans. We have talismans. I'm going to put a, a concrete angel in my front yard to ward off evil spirits. Yeah, that's very Christian. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have concrete angels. But let me, let me just help you. It's not really an angel. And you can't see angels. And if you did, they always look like men. Every, look it up in your Bible every time. The demons, the devils that reveal themselves, they look like women in Zechariah. Pastor, are you saying all women are devils? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. But, but that's a distinction. That's a, that's a removal from the norm in Scripture. All right? So we, we have this weird idea that if I've got a particular item in my house that that particular item will have spiritual power. And, of course, you know, the, the, the crazy, charismatic preachers, if you'll send me $50, I'll send you this handkerchief that I prayed over. And when you get that, if you put that on your forehead 37 times, then you'll want to send me more money, and God's going to bless you. I'm just telling you, what I just said is not any weirder than what is said on, on those things. The idea that some object is going to have spiritual power, be some kind of talisman. These are not the battles that we fight. It's about what is heard. It's about what is taught. It's about what we believe, what we receive, and what we reject. You see, it's always spiritual warfare is always, always, always a battle of the mind. Always casting down imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought that exalts itself. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rules of darkness and high places. So what are we supposed to do? Put on the armor of God. Where do you start? The helmet of salvation. Where do you wear a helmet? On your head. Notice I didn't ask you guys you got to know what you believe about the gospel, the helmet of salvation. Spiritual warfare is always a battle of the mind. Laura and I know a preacher that somebody came to their church, and the girl lady had pants on, and so they went to the house, and they laid hands on her to cast out the demon of pants wearing. 
you can't make it up. It's the weirdest stuff in the world. Okay, let's keep going. So it's about things that are preached. Verse 2. Speaking, what are we doing? How do we overcome? There's so many voices that are all around us speaking lies in hypocrisy. What is that? That is me preaching something I have no intention of believing or doing. Lies and hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. These are people, they just keep lying and lying and lying. They lie so much, they don't even know how to tell the truth anymore. And that's what we hear over and over and over again. What does that look like? What does that look like? What are these lies that they will say? Forbidding to marry. Forbidding to marry. Marriage is a good thing, the Bible says. It's honorable. Marriage, and I'll tell you, marriage has been a great thing for me. But I have no idea where I'd be in life if I hadn't married Laura. I know I never would have graduated from college. Okay? It, marriage has been an amazingly good thing for me. And so, and, and I'm sure many of you would say the same thing. Marriage is a good thing. It's a holy thing. It's instituted by God. Why would we say that you can't get married? Not only do, do some religions say that their leaders can't get married, which is blatantly unscriptural, but we have voices today trying to defile marriage. Defile it. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Have you seen any signs out lately? Come in today. We have our fish dinner. Why? Because people are forbidding to eat meat. And But then you'll go on some religious thing. And let me tell you about the Ezekiel diet. Just eat a lot of grain. Just eat grain. Grain, it's good. Jesus said grain. And you end up with these weird diets... And remember, remember the, the children of Israel, just, just eat the grains. And, but the problem is you'll be weak. You'll be sickly. And God did a special miracle, and they ate the grains, and he made them strong. It would take a miracle of God for me to live on grains. Right? Why? I'm diabetic. I die. Okay, let's keep going. How many of you have heard Christian voices saying this stuff? Have you heard Christian, so Christian saying this stuff? Now look, if you have a diet and you say, I don't want to eat meat, I don't care. Don't eat meat. I'll be able to tell because you'll have this angry look on your face all the time. <laughs> Just don't tell people they've got to do that to be spiritual. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. Bacon! If it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Amen? Are you supposed to eat good? Are you supposed to be healthy, to be a good steward of your body? You know, the Tim Hawkins thing. Please change the molecular construction of this and bless me with it, right? 
we're supposed to eat right, but what happens is these all these weird ideas, adding things to salvation, changing the gospel, putting burdens on people. Meat is good. Marriage is good. If somebody tells you you can't do any of those things, that's not from God. That's a lie. Jesus is God. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. They are of the world. You're of God. This is what a true Christian confesses. So there's an evident distinction. If somebody says Christ isn't God, then they're antichrist. But there's a subtle divergence. What happens when someone sometimes says he's the son of God and other times denies it? What do you do then? So I just referenced 1 Timothy 3.16. God was manifest in the flesh. Modern translations of the Bible change that to he was manifest in the flesh. I did some work searching that out. James White, famous uh, teacher, he, he fights against King James onlyism, people like us who, who you know, use the King James Bible. And um, I've got recordings of him sometimes saying he prefers God was manifest in the flesh, other times denying that. No, no, he believes in the deity of Christ. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to disparage James White. James White is saved just like us. He believes in the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture, all of those things. He's a, he's a man of God. There's no doubt about it. But he has bought into this crazy textual criticism that says you can't know whether or not that verse actually says God. Sometimes he says it does. Sometimes he says it doesn't. Here's the most important thing. How many of you believe that Jesus is God? This is the only verse that says it. Now, it's taught all through the scriptures, right? When Jesus said, I and my father are one, they wanted to kill him because the Jews understood that that meant he was equal with God, right? So, so Jesus did claim to be God in other places. But in these words, the, other, the, other, the second one would be in Hebrews, thy throne, O God, where God the Father calls Jesus Christ, God. But where it says God was manifest, this is it. This is it. So what do we do with, with voices, with preachers that speak, that sometimes say he's God and sometimes he isn't? Hold your place here. Actually, we, we, we'll go back to 1 John. But when you get back to 1 John, go to Revelation 3 and look at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, now remember, it's the church of the Laodiceans, in chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, the angel of the church in Sardis. In verse 7, it says, unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And in verse 14, it says, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. It wasn't the church of Christ anymore. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What is that? It's, I believe right. Okay, so I, now I am going to apply this to James White. I believe in the deity of Christ. I really don't care whether this verse has changed. It's not a big deal. Well, if the Bible is our sole authority, and if that's the only place in the Bible that gives us that clear statement, what do we do with people that vacillate. And how did this happen? So, holy cow. 
all the way back in 313. All right, in 313, a guy named Eusebius Pamphili, Eusebius, he wrote a famous church history. Eusebius became the, the bishop of a city called Caesarea, named after Caesar. And in that city, he became very popular. He ended up being the, the emperor, Constantine's bishop. And so he would have been his religious advisor. His name, Eusebius Pamphili, that means son of or servant of Pamphilus. So he changed his name to be a servant of Pamphilus. Pamphilus was his teacher. Pamphilus was martyred in 310 AD, but he was a teacher in Caesarea. He was imprisoned there. And Eusebius went and for two years worked with Pamphilus to write a defense, a five-volume defense of a teacher named Origen, Adamantius Origen. Adamantius Origen was the head of a school, a religious school in Alexandria, Egypt, that had moved to Caesarea. What he had done, what Origen had done, was he had mixed the philosophy of Plato, the philosopher Plato, with Christianity. And so he believed that what he wrote in his Gospel of John, Origen, he wrote that, um, talking about truth, Jesus, compared to man, or in relation to man, is truth. Jesus, in relation to God the Father, is error. Is Jesus the sinless Son of God? Yes, but he is error. Why? Because Plato taught that the material must be worse than the spiritual. So that... If you know anything about church history, Manichaeism, that type of thing, a dualistic idea. And so th this idea that he, he married that with Christianity because God's a spirit. You can't see him. He's immaterial. He can be perfect. But Jesus, because he took on flesh and bones, can't be as good as the father. That's heresy. Would you all agree that that's heresy? So Pamphilus defended Origen. Eusebius also defended Origen. Don't forget about the Arian controversy. There was a man named Arius who said that the, that the son is less than the father, the same thing that Origen taught. That's the Arian controversy. So when Arius was kicked out of Alexandria, Egypt, he was kicked out by Alexander of Alexandria. That would be like Sydney of Sydney. Weird, right? So, Alexander of Alexandria, he excommunicates uh, Eusebius, I mean uh, Arius. Arius goes to Caesarea, and he writes, Arius writes that Eusebius was one of his biggest supporters. Now, you can't support Arius because Arius doesn't believe Jesus is God. You can't, you can't defend him. So, there was a council called, there was a trial held in Antioch. So, they were first called Christians in Antioch. The, our Bible, the text that our Bible comes from, comes from a line of manuscripts that goes back to Antioch. The modern Bibles that say he who was manifest in the flesh instead of God was manifest in the flesh, those go back to Origen and Alexandria, Egypt. First John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's the clearest statement on the Trinity, the Godhead Trinity in the Bible. That's not in this Alexandrian text. It's not there. It's been removed. 
Alexander of Alexandria, he practiced what was called Sabellianism. That means he didn't believe in the Trinity, didn't believe in the Godhead. Just like Sydney Apostolic Church, they don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in the Godhead. They only believe in Jesus. Why did Alexander kick Arius out? Because Alexander only believed in Jesus. He didn't believe in God the Father, didn't believe in God the Holy Spirit. He only believed in Jesus. It's called modalism. Sometimes he shows up as the Father. Sometimes he shows up as the Spirit. But it's always only Jesus. So Alexander kicks Arius out because don't attack Jesus. He's the only one we've got. So what happens in the text that comes from Alexandria? They remove the Godhead, the Trinity, and they diminish the deity of Christ. How does that end up in a modern Bible? Constantine asked his bishop, Eusebius, hey, I want 25 copies of the New Testament on vellum, on leather. Well, what text do you think Eusebius is going to use? He just wrote a five-volume defense of Origen. Origen had produced a Greek text. He had changed the actual words of the Bible to align with his religious views. And Eusebius, at the Council of Antioch, he was excommunicated for his views about the deity of Christ. And you ready for this? There was a guy named Theodoret of Laodicea who was excommunicated in that same meeting. You can't make this up. We have Antioch, Alexandria, and Laodicea. All of the areas, all of these cities that we know have an influence on the Bible and the teachings that came out of them. And remember, James White mocks us for this, but whatever. And so you see all of this stuff that's happening, but here's Eusebius at the Council of Nicaea. So this Council of Antioch is in January 325, the famous Council of Nicaea that Constantine called. Same year, Eusebius is exonerated because Constantine said, he's my bishop. Did Constantine believe in the deity of Christ? I don't know, but I know he didn't care about it. Because he wrote to Alexander of Alexandria saying, you guys need to reconcile. This is not this big, that big of a deal. That is the spirit of Laodicea. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Just one little word. God. So what happens? What happens? We end up with this vacillation on the deity of Christ that opens the door for all kinds of error. And so in churches all over the world today, if you show somebody that Jesus Christ is God, if they come from one of these cults, they'll show you in their Bible that no, Jesus is not God. This is a problem. So what do we do when someone is halfway? You have to reject it. You have to reject it. There's a subtle divergence. And then... There's an available deliverance. An available deliverance. Look at verse 4. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. I'm sorry, we're in 1 John 4 4. Year of God, little children, and ye have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says that there are four spirits. There are four spirits, and for time's sake, if you want to write down the references, we were going to look at them, but I, I, I just went too long. There are four spirits mentioned in the Bible. The spirit of beasts, 
That is Ecclesiastes 3.21. The spirit of man goes up, the spirit of beasts goes down into the earth. So the spirit of beasts is base. It's base. It's physical. There's the spirit of man, 1 Corinthians 2.11. There's a spirit, who knows the spirit of man but man. And that spirit of man is the spirit of dominion. God gave dominion over man. And so what men want to do is conquer. Why is it hard for a man to stay faithful to his wife? Because there's a conquest out there. What, why do nations want to, why does Putin want to go into this other nation? That, that's the, that's the, the nature of man is conquest. All right? So there's the spirit of beasts, it's base and physical. There's the spirit of man, it's the desire to conquer. And there's the spirit of the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible talks about the spirit of the Lord. How do we know where this spirit is? It's in the Bible. Right? Spirit of the Lord. And then there's the spirit of Satan. Remember, the spirit of Satan enters into um, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, and they're destroyed. Luke chapter 22, the spirit of Satan enters into Judas so that Judas betrays Jesus Christ. So the spirit of Satan is to destroy. And according to the Bible, there are three spirits that come out of the mouth of 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 a prophet. So remember when Jesus cast out the devils and and they went into the pigs? Remember that? What did they speak? I am legion. They're speaking. It's an unclean spirit. And then there's a human spirit. Let's look at this one. Look at Acts chapter 18. The human spirit. This is really interesting. Verse 25. Let's look at verse 24. Acts chapter 18 and verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. So he's mighty in the Scriptures. He really knows the Bible. And look at what happens. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. What does that mean? He didn't understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wasn't saved. He's still preaching in an Old Testament spirit. Is that interesting? And now look at what happens. And he began, verse 26, to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews that publicly, and, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So he had been preaching the baptism of John. Now he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah and you killed him. But he had done that in the spirit of man, not through the spirit of God. Isn't that interesting? So there are a lot of people that know the Bible, but they're not saved. They're not saved. And then there's the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know about that. So how do we overcome? Well, we recognize, go back to 1 John 4 and verse 4. We recognize ownership. Ye are of God. So, I, y'all know, I love pens. I collect pens. 
And if you want to see it, this pen actually matches my suit. It has stripes. matches my suit. Andy loves that. And I, I care about these. If, if somebody wanted to borrow a pen, I would find a cheaper one to loan you. This is mine. I care about it. And fountain pens, you don't want to let other people write you with your fountain pen because it kind of forms to the way you write. And I don't want it to write the way you write. I want it to, wait to write the way that I write, which is basically a three-year-old. That's me. And so this is mine. I care about it. I, I, I really like pens. The church gave us a very nice gift last week for our 25th anniversary. You know what I did with it? I bought a pen, a very special pen. Maybe I'll show it to you sometime, but I won't let you touch it because it's mine. It's ownership. I care about it. You know, the Bible talks about, Andrea made me a picture years ago. I still have it in my office. The Bible talks about if if he sees a sparrow fall, if he cares about that, he cares a lot more about us, doesn't he? When you're born again, you're his. How do we overcome? We recognize ownership. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Boy, what a price that was, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He loves us. So how do we overcome, recognize ownership, that you're of God, we belong to him, and then yield to his indwelling power? Verse 4. Year of God, little children, I've overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. So the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. We're baptized into Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and also the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So recognize ownership, but then also recognize the indwelling Holy Spirit and yield to him. Give him control. And understand that the battle is already won. Ye are of God, little children. Look. And have overcome them. The battle's already won. So, remember when Jesus Christ came? His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted as what? God with us. He's with us. He's with us. God is with us as the living Christ, and he's greater than all the evil forces that may seek to injure us. God with us as the Holy Ghost is greater than all the subtle influences that act upon us. You know, I don't know how it all works, but radio waves and all of those things that are around us, you know, there are radio waves running through here right now. Um, my microphone. Scott, is this a radio wave? So this, micro, this, this microphone works through a radio wave. And do you guys just feel that come through your body as the power of God? No. It's all around us. That's the way the spirit world works. The spirits are all around us. We can hear things through through all different voices, things that are said over and we hear these things all, oh, God doesn't really care what you do. God doesn't care who you love. God doesn't care. None of that is true. Because the Bible says in 1 John, the next verse, the next verse is the evidence of all of this is the way that we love. So here's the problem. We as a church, we, you know, I mentioned it in our Sunday school class. You have those three levels of spiritual growth in 1 John. I write into you little children. 
because you know that your sins are forgiven. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Praise God. I love it. When anyone gets saved and they're a baby Christian, isn't that wonderful? We heard that baby a little while ago, baby Judson. What a precious sound. Hi, Sarah. So good to see you. This, it, it is precious to hear that little baby, but we don't want them to stay that way. Right? So I write into you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. You're strong. You're strong. You've overcome the wicked one. I write into you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. You see, those young men, those young men that are strong, man, it's real easy for a young man to get into a fight. Right? You talking about my mom? Yeah. Yeah. She wears white. They show movies on her. Um. Your mom jokes, they're awesome. Young men, they're ready to fight all the time. Sometimes I feel like our church, we've got the fight. You know, we we know doctrine. We've had some victories. We're in this world and all this false teaching, all this false news, the, the lies, all this stuff that goes around. And man, we've got the fight. We're ready to go. But where's the love? Where's the love? Hey, Pastor, you were just mean for 40 minutes and now you're telling me to love? How do we overcome? Well, like it says in Revelation, we've overcome through the blood of Jesus Christ and the testimony of his name. So how do we overcome this world? How do we overcome all of this? Well, we realize that God is greater than all of this. None of it is a surprise to him. And one of the reasons we fight and are angry is because of fear. And in the same chapter, there's no Fear and love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Isn't that interesting? So our confidence, our confidence helps to overcome our fear. Our fear is what causes us to lash out and hurt people. The love comes when we realize that God loved us, and the answer to this trouble is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the answer. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to bring, we've got to know how to think right. We need to know how to identify the James Whites who don't really care whether the Bible says the deity of, that Jesus is God or not. We've got to know how to answer those things. So when they come to us, we can say, you know what, I'm just going to trust the Bible. But when we're not dealing with theological error, we're just supposed to be telling people about Jesus. We're supposed to be loving people, loving each other. I loved what Mary Ann said about when people come in, that just seeing a smile. Uh, Bill said or Richard, said, know their name. Love, love. And let's take that love outside these doors. Amen? That's how we overcome. Let's all stand together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to preach it and teach it. Father, I pray that there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, that today is the day of their salvation.